Hello and welcome to another episode of Flynn's Talk. Uh, I, as always, I'm Jeremy Gilman. Joined by me is Mr. Jack Levitt, my esteemed co-host. Jackie boy, how are you doing today? Jez, good. Thanks for having me. And I'm glad to know you're still Jeremy Gilman um, for today. So that's great. Uh... Yeah, here we go. Flynn's talk. It's um, we're off and racing. Um, we dropped F1 earlier in the week, so we, we managed to catch up with Dr. Mags and Dr. James from uh, Green Cross Vets. So that was fantastic. So hopefully everyone's enjoyed uh, episode one and getting some insights there. Jez, uh, we're actually uh, our duo is becoming a trio today. And yeah, today's uh, a bit of a uh, today's a bit of a special special episode. It is. So um, if you're listening to this on the day that it's dropped, it's of course May the third when. We should have been holding Flynn's walk uh, in Melbourne, our annual walk, which we've done the last two years. And we've got Dr. Cam Raw, who's another one of the committee members and or board members, whichever way you like to put it, of Flynn's walk. Cam, welcome. Thanks very much, guys. Great to be here. Great to hear from you. And uh, you know, at this time, it's it's great to speak to anybody, really. So, it's a it's a pleasure. It is good. It is good. And Cam is rocking a sensational beard. Uh, <laughs> quite extraordinary, Cam. What is the secret? Just just neglect. Just letting it go. That's, that's all there is to it. There's yet to be any shaping or manicuring. It's just, you know, it, the body does what it does. You're not sponsored from uh, Maybelline or Palmolive or anything like that? <laughs> no, I think they'd be very disappointed in my beard. It's not as not as luscious as any of their models. It's pretty... <laughs> well, after after all this is over, you might get a sponsorship from Nair or someone like that or Gillette. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Maybe I should uh, hold an auction to see who can get me to get rid of it or something like that. <laughs> Raise some money, maybe. <laughs> We're definitely going to have to post a photo of this. We've, we've spent the first 90 seconds of the podcast talking about Cam's beard, so um, we'll have to post a pic. Absolutely. Cam, uh, it's probably a good place to start is for you to tell um, those who are listening where you fit into this whole thing. Um, you designed our Flynn's Walk t-shirt, um, which has got Stacy the pig on the front of it, but that's come from, from a lot further back. So uh, it'd be great for you to, I guess... Explain, you know, how we've come to know you and, and your connection to Flynn as well. Yeah, so um, Flynn was actually my very first friend in vet school. Um, he, uh, before we even started vet school, we had an animal handling course at a place called Glenormiston. And um, as soon as we got there, he sat down at the table next to me, introduced himself, and uh, we've, we're mates ever since then. And um, I think that's a very undervalued thing um, these days is just sitting down to someone next to somebody introducing yourself and um, it's it's something I always really loved about Flynn is just his ability to sit down and just make friends just like that um, I'm a bit of an introvert so that's something I've always struggled with but um, it's something that came so so naturally to him um, and part of why we all loved him so much um, so I went right through vet school with Flynn. Um, we had all of our classes together, um, and part of you know all of the parts of um, the t-shirt design are a lot of the the stories that came out of vet school and all the um, adventures that we that we had together. Um, Stacy the pig um, was from that animal handling course at Glenormiston. Um, Flynn struggling to wrangle wrangle a pig. Um, the, the dress, part of Flynn's love of dress up. I believe it was stay still, right? Stay still, stay still, stay still. 
Yeah, but people misheard it as Stacy, and so that was that was Flynn's nickname for a little while. It's weird how these sorts of nicknames come about, but you know, and of course he didn't love it, which only meant that it stuck that much more. <laughs> exactly. So um, yeah, that, it. and of course his love of all things space. Yep. So the the uh, space exploring pig. Um, and the unicycle, um, part of uh, the uh, unicycling across across Melbourne. That's it. Which I'm guilty yeah. of being the other half of that. <laughs> that you are little adventure. It's yes. an impressive feat. Oh, we've yeah. I don't know that I've truly ever recovered uh, from that. And Jez actually um, had a crack at the unicycle riding too, which was just. I think it was just a summer day, Jez, where we were a little bit bored, um, looking for something to do, and we picked one up in our friend's backyard. Yeah. yeah. How long did it take you to actually be able to balance? Was it a long? For some of us, it it came more naturally than others. <laughs> I, I never truly picked it up. Uh, Jack Flynn and a couple of other mates did quite well, um, but yeah, I'm my claim to fame is never really being able to ride well, it. One, one of the interesting things, Cam, I don't know if you've seen this or not, and it's worth me probably sending it to you if you haven't. Um, my year 12 film project, because we'd learned to ride unicycles the summer previous, became about us being unicycle riders. And in it, I actually befriend Flynn randomly on the street. As you say, those those connections of how people met Flynn. Um, this one in the film was me meeting Flynn uh, and taught him how to ride his unicycle. And then we took on this gang of bike riders. So um, that was my year 12 film, somewhat conveniently, just because we'd learned to ride unicycles. Oh, so you made a, a unicycle gang. Yes. <laughs> Can I just query whether it's entirely appropriate that you're plugging your YouTube channel um, <laughs> to get viewers off our <laughs> off our commercial podcast? After, sorry, after sorry. the podcast, please, everybody. Just yeah. hold off until after yeah. the podcast. That's it. That's it. Um, <laughs> link in bio, link in bio, as you say. Um, and that's it. So, yeah, that was... Um, of course, a, a part of the the T-shirt cam. We've digressed a little bit, but um, you can get those T-shirts too on our website. We'll probably plug that a little bit later on on how that can contribute to some fundraising. You've uh, went through a bit of a clinical pathway, mate, and um, you've now gone more into the education space. You're doing further study yourself. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so um, I first started out in a mixed practice up in a little town called Rochester in northern Victoria. Um, loved my time up there working a lot with dairy cattle, um, but dogs and cats and everything else as well. Um, I went and spent some time in the UK, locuming over there at the same time Flynn did. Um, so got to do a bit of traveling over there with him as well. Um, and then since then, I've always done a lot of work up in uh, remote Aboriginal communities in the Northern Territory. So a bit of clinical work up there too. But uh, since come back and started a, a PhD at the University of Melbourne, um, interested in learning a little bit more about um, how diseases work, particularly in those remote Aboriginal communities, but also doing more and more teaching of vet students. So discovered that's something that I really love. So hoping to do much more of that. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like that you've really found something that you're passionate about and something that's sort of hit the spot for you, which which you don't often hear with people, especially like their first job and now they've now they've really hit the mark. So it's great. Yeah, it's often a, a thing in uh, in the vet profession. I think there's sometimes a bit of pressure to remain as a clinical vet. You go through, you know, your four or five years of, of study um, 
And there's this thing that a lot of vets feel that, oh, I've got to, got to remain a clinical vet or I will have wasted all this time. But there's actually so much that you can do with a vet degree. Um, and there's a lot of groups online of vets doing all sorts of wonderful things in public health or just completely pivoting out of the vet profession altogether. Um, so there's, there's no need to feel stuck um, in any particular role because there's just so much that you can do. Um, and it's a really, yeah, awesome, awesome degree to have. Yeah, that's cool, mate. And I love hearing those stories. Um, I've had the chance to meet and get to know more vets uh, probably in the last two years than I'd ever known in my life previous to that, other than just um, obviously being close with Flynn and then also having pets of my own growing up and um, have a cat now who, you know, I've, I've got responsibility for. So um, it's been interesting hearing some different stories like yours and, and how some people have said, you know what, that clinical pathway isn't for me, um, but there's other stuff to branch out and do. The other one is that interest in going overseas. And of course, two years back, um, Flynn was in London and that's actually unfortunately where he passed away, which for us is, is a bit sad, but also a bit, it's heartwarming at the same time because we know that he was over there doing that and it was something that he was really keen on on having a go at and you were over there as well and Baraf and, and Scott and all those other guys as well and guys and girls that we've heard about and met along the way and um, there's this amazing, you know, some amazing stories that have come out of friendships he's made over there for you to have been over there and done that as well, it, it, that feels like a real box to tick off for, for so many vets. Definitely. Um, it, it seems a bit of a, a rite of passage for a lot of vets. Um, I was lucky that I managed to just get in there before I turned 30 and uh, wouldn't have been um, able to get a, a visa to work um, after that. So, um, yeah, I was pretty, pretty lucky to be able to do it in time. Um, but it's yeah, a lot of a lot of vets um, head over and and try all sorts of different things. So a lot of the time, it's doing short term work at lots of different clinics and getting to fit in travel, and it can be a really really great lifestyle. Yeah, it sounds yeah. awesome. I, I wish, like I I work in uh, in sport in and in, um, in cricket, and I've had the same sort of thing. Of like working for cricket in Australia, it's it's like getting over there and working on the ashes, right? Like you want to get out and you want to go and do the thing that's on the other side of the world. Like I'd love to do that too. And that's something that um, I've even thought about, I guess, since, since Flynn passed is like, well, why the hell not? I mean, there's some restrictions around visas and stuff like that you've got to work through. But um, even people I, I work with have been over and done secondments with, with the English cricket board and stuff like that. And I just think like, why the hell not? And I suppose I carry that a little bit in the back of my head like, you know, maybe someday I better bloody give that a go. Um, just, I guess, being inspired by by yourself and other people's stories and doing that too. So, um, good on you for that, mate. And I think, um, uh, well, obviously, we started Flynn's Walk because we lost um, Dr. Flynn and um, we, we, we got together just to sort of jazz walk and talk, walk it out, talk it out was kind of the little slogan I threw out there on the Facebook event and, and now here we are. Yeah, it was quite a... Um... Would you say ad hoc, um, ad hoc kind oh, of thing where yeah. it originally started that we were just going to, there were like maybe 10 high school mates, Flynn's family and a few other people that we thought, <laughs> oh, this is a nice thing to yeah. do. We sort of gather together, have a bit of a, uh, have a bit of a catch up, go for a bit of a stroll, um, have a chat and, and maybe raise a tiny bit of money for Are You OK along the way. Um, and then that year while we were, 
Well, we, we I think we planned it in about a month. We lost Flynn, and then and then we had we had his memorial service here in Melbourne, and then the walk was a month after that. Oh, yeah, we were flying by the seat of our pants. But the other thing too, um, important to acknowledge that we kind of got. Well, the inspiration came from the gang over in London who actually were true, yes, Sorry. ran the ran the Bristol 10K, um, which Flynn had registered and was and was going to run in, and unfortunately didn't didn't get there. But um, Miteki and and the other the other gang over there got together and um, said, "Well, bugger it, we're going to run it and we're going to wear Flynn's name on our bibs and and run for ourselves and run for Flynn." So that was really special, and we were like, "Well, we have to do something back here." And I am not athletic at all. So I was like, well, I won't be running um, anywhere. So I said, well, well, why don't we start at a park somewhere and walk somewhere and end at a pub, basically, was the goal because we thought, yep. well, yeah, perfect. End at a pub. And then someone said to me, uh, everyone's going to park at one end and then how's everyone going to get back? Oh, who cares? Well, I've had a few beers anyway, so um, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll work it out the next day. And then it more evolved to like, have you thought about starting it in one spot? Da, 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 da. So... Lo and behold, away we went and, um, yeah, we had about 400 people turn up and I remember just... Yeah, it was quite incredible. I, know, I, I think I spoke to Jez not long before I had to get up and I was like, I had to introduce what was happening and why we were there and I thought, bloody hell, what have I done? And I was shaking like a leaf and, and I got up and we just sort of said, hey, this is what's going on and it's shit house, and suicide's just devastating and, and we need to talk about it and get people together. I never ever thought so many people would turn up. But it was incredible to see how many people, not only, I mean, the vast majority of people there on the first year were people that knew Flynn, loved Flynn, were even even people that had heard of Flynn, hadn't even met Flynn, but had heard of what a great guy he was turned up just to support their friends who knew him. Um, it was quite incredible the amount of people who turned up, not only as as sort of a memorial for him, but also... To to champion this um, this message of of the struggles that a lot of the vets are going through and the general mental health struggle that that a lot of people are going through and it turned out to be quite an incredible day. Absolutely, amazing day. Yeah, it was. And then and we moved on. We we got some um, some nice exposure out through the project, helping us out by by showing the story. And Jackie and Pete Flynn's mum and dad were incredible and, and went on there and, and you know what the opportunity came to tell the story and we thought well we all know how special Flynn was for Jackie and Pete to tell his story to try and help some others through it I mean like I, I'm just you know you, you think to yourself like I know so much now around what can I guess lead to someone wanting to take their own life and and even the stats around suicide I mean like 200 people uh, attempt to take their life a day in Australia and that's just here. Like we don't even, I don't even have the numbers for the rest of the world. But um, eight eight pass away every day from suicide, which is and it's six blokes and two women, um, which is just like, it's crazy. It's crazy scam to think like, you never think that suicide will enter your circle or even hit you so close to home. Absolutely, yeah. It's just this um, huge, huge monster coming out of the darkness that that nobody really expects um, and it's it's just such a shock. But then when you learn these statistics, and I think that was a big part of the, the massive response to the walk and also to the, um, the mentions on the project, that so many people were just shocked completely by this 
um, having never really known because it, yeah. It, it, and that's it. It's something that we've since through talking to a lot of vet and vet veterinarians and vet professionals found out that it is such a huge issue within the, uh, within the vet uh, profession that is fairly well known within that profession. But outside of that, no one really knows the stats that, that vets are that much more likely to die from suicide. Um, and that it's something that isn't discussed in the public and something that isn't really discussed within clinics and, and uh, anything like that. And that's one of the, that's one of the biggest drivers for us to take Flynn's walk to something bigger and to, and to spread that message. Yeah, absolutely. And it can feel so when you're faced with statistics like that, it can feel so incredibly overwhelming too, that it's, it can sometimes feel hard to know where to even start, but it's these conversations that are such important starting blocks to just get it going, get it known, get people comfortable about speaking about it, speaking out if they're not doing okay. That's it. And it's it's going to take a bit of a, a massive turnaround, a paradigm shift, I suppose, um, and, and to break down those barriers to get people talking about not, not feeling okay. Like it's, as, as the saying goes, it's okay not to be okay, but it's got to be okay for people to talk about it and talk to people that they can trust or if it's a colleague or family member and We'll have a lot more stuff coming up in this series with with a lot uh, people who are better qualified to give advice on on that side as well. But we have also learnt, Jez, that you can just be the person to to change someone's day or week as well um, with a small with a small gesture. Well, that's it. That's I mean, that's one of the big reasons we chose. Are you okay? As our as our beneficiary, I guess. Partner, yeah, as our partner for for our for our donations. Um, their their motto is a conversation can can change a life, um, and that's essentially what we wanted to do. We wanted people to to be able to openly discuss suicide and, in specific, uh, vet veterinary suicide and the issues vets are facing, um, and for people to feel like they can talk to whoever it is, whether they know a vet, whether it's just talking to their colleague, their friend, their family member, um, when they notice that they're not doing well. Yeah, that's it, mate. And that's the thing, like the stats that we've come to learn, just to go back a little step, because we alluded to some of those stats and and to not be too rote and just sort of bash them out. But um, I mean, we've learned like there's a four times higher rate or more likelihood of of, uh, a vet dying by suicide. And it's twice as high as other medical professionals. Like people go, oh, people in dental uh, industry I knew knew there was a higher rate of suicide there or, or, or pharmacists, a lot of pharmacists take their life. But vets are, are twice as high as the next medical professionals like we're losing a vet to suicide about every 12 weeks like that is that's scary stuff cam but there's a lot there's a lot going on in the industry that people i guess don't know about that actually contributes to that yeah it's uh it's one of those things with um with you know all diseases really that it's it's multifactorial and it's sometimes very hard to pin down the exact causes um there's you know it's not all puppies and kittens um there's it's you know it can be hard to know what really goes on inside a vet clinic um when you're just you know seeing the inside of a consult room seeing the smiling vet who's um you know, very pleasantly speaking to you but it can be really tough sometimes. Um, it can be a very stressful job. Um, we're often faced with some very difficult decisions. Um, 
owners with limited finances trying to do the very best for their animals um, with limited finances. Um, sometimes some unrealistic expectations from many different sources. Um, vets can be their big, own biggest critics, so that can be a really, really tough thing. By, you know, by personality, a lot of us are perfectionists, um, which is really, really difficult. Um, I heard a, a great quote recently about perfectionism, um, comparing it to a five-ton shield that we carry around with us all the time, expecting that it will protect us, but it's actually what's slowing us down. Um, and it can be a really, really big burden sometimes, that that perfectionism that um, so many vets have to contend with. Um, and sometimes unrealistic expectations of employers, um, clients. So there's, there's a lot going on there. Um, and it can be, yeah, it can be a, a pretty, pretty tough job. Um, and sometimes it's hard to, hard to find support, um, but there's, there's a lot of support out there. Um, and, uh, just knowing where to, where to go, um, to look for it. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's been one of the things that like Jeremy and I are not, not, uh, working in an animal field at all have realized like something the industry is calling for is is support from people who who get it and dr nadine hamilton um set up love your pet love your vet as very much her thing to live by um and also she's she's formalized that from being a campaign into now a charity so just even that she's put up a flag and said hey i'm here to help get behind an industry and i guess with flynn's walk as well and, and we've got to know nadine really well over the last couple of years um, we never thought we'd meet her, but I'm, I'm really glad we have. And we, she's put that flag up and I guess we've come out and said, well, we'll fly a flag as well and, and try and just keep shedding the light on these contributing factors because because as pet owners and as a community of people who love animals and there's an extraordinary number of pets in Australia. There's more pets than, than there are people supposedly and um, there's there's a lot we can do to just make a day or the life of a vet or vet nurse or the person answering the phone, just make it a little bit better, just having some understanding, having some patience. Put yourself in their shoes. So, and that's really that love your pet, love your vet message. And I've, I've heard it put another way by someone else I was chatting with who actually said, if we want healthy pets, we need healthy vets. So it's sort of another version of the love your pet, love your vet. But it's, it's many of those things we can put out there and get people to understand that we can make a difference as a pet owner uh, and as a client and a customer of a business. At the end of the day, there's a business being run and we can we need to respect that, but it's so much more because we're so invested in our pets as well. I think that's the case. Um, there's, like you said, you said understanding and I think that's one of the biggest things. People just having that knowledge about that often vets aren't millionaires. They don't drive Ferraris like a lot of our doctors and surgeons do. Can they're drives often, a Ferrari? Well, can be. Uh... <laughs> Mate, I haven't even got a car. I'm, I'm going to push back with a flat tyre. Mate, you're living the hipster lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. The beard, the push bike. Yeah. You are right though, Jez, because there are um, human medical doctors and dentists that are driving flash cars. So people think exactly. that transfers over, right? Exactly. Yeah. The, and, and often that, and often that um, translates to people expecting more from their vets, people expecting their vets to go that extra mile for them to to put their own money in to pay for surgeries that they can't afford. 
and to to just make unrealistic ex- expectations that often fall on either the vet's shoulders or the clinic shoulders who again aren't necessarily making that much money and that, and and a perfect example is Stumpy the cat who Flynn saved because it had been we, we don't know exactly what had happened but it had been potentially mistreated and, and really neglected this poor cat. And it's a beautiful little tortoiseshell cat. And, and Flynn actually absorbed the costs at the time when he was working here in Victoria and, and saved Stumpy the cat and took it home. And, and the story goes on that it was only for a couple of days and then it was a week and then it was a month and then now it's the family cat. And we sort of look at that and it reminds me every time I've seen Stumpy the cat sitting there on the couch, if you go around to the house and you go, that's, that's just it. That's the selflessness. That's what, that's that's just one of the contributing factors, but that's that selflessness that comes in the industry. Because Cam, you want to save every dog, you want to save every cat, but there's, there's realities to it. Yeah, yeah, and it's a very common story for a lot of vets, vet nurses, practice managers that um, they will, you know, plow their own own money into saving these animals because that's what they want to do. Um, that's who they are as people and it breaks their heart to not be able to do their very best for them. So it's, uh, it can be a really tricky balancing act um, to try to do the best, but you just, you can't all the time. And it's, you know, it's part of the, the system and part of the, the misunderstanding sometimes of uh, vet practices that uh, there is no Medicare um, there's no safety safety net like there is with people. So um, it's, yeah, it, it comes down to the owner. And if not the owner, then sometimes the vet or the vet nurse or, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's full on. It's totally full on. And I think another, another thing that I've never had realized, like if you go to a human hospital and you need to get an X-ray and then you need to meet with a, a specialist about a particular illness or disease and then you've got to have surgery, you might see one, two, three, four, five. I don't know, Jess. Like your partner, Erica. She's a nurse. She, you know, you know, you know all of this. You would see so many different professionals wearing, you know, all different different individual hats. Whereas vets often can that like inherently wear so many hats at the same time. They are the radiologist, the anaesthetist, the surgeon, the clinician, the counselor. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and trying to to do all that and trying to fit it all into a day too. If you're trying to do all those things for a patient in a day, whereas, you know, if it were a person, that would be spread out over days, weeks, months. Um, but for a dog, you might get it in, be a medicine specialist, have a look at it take it in, do some x-rays, be a radiographer and a radiologist. It might <laughs> yes, need... you operate the machine too, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you need to know how the machine works, how to, you know, fix it if it's, if it's having a breakdown. Um, you know, then it might need surgery. So then you're a surgeon all of a sudden and an <laughs> anaesthetist at the same time, as well as the vet nurse assisting you on that. So it's, oh. there's a lot going on. Yeah. No, it's full on. And a lot of overheads. Yeah, and then possibly yeah. even even you might have to do a few euthanasias before you head home. It's it's quite an incredible position that that vets have, and and the fact that they are they're the be all and end all for the care of our pets, um, and so much is expected from them. And I think the the compassion fatigue sort of phrase is thrown is thrown around a lot in in a lot of interest industries. A lot of industries um, there's a big problem with compassion fatigue. But certainly um, from vets and vet professionals, 
as you say, it all it isn't all puppies and kittens, but you do see that whole life cycle of an animal, and you're you're that heavily invested in the animal over its whole life, and it really it takes a lot out of you. Absolutely, and it can be um, you know sometimes you'll have a euthanasia, and then a first puppy vaccination, the very next consult. So it can be pretty jarring sometimes. Um, you'll be you know, vets do grieve over their own patients passing too. So sometimes you really need a breather just to, to grieve and and think about it, talk about it, but sometimes we just don't have that time um, and that can really add up too. That's it, mate. And then the other part of it really, Cam, which I know that you're, you're quite passionate about um, potentially affecting some change is in, in the education phase while you're learning to be a vet, while you're learning to be all those things we've talked about, the radiologist, the anaesthetist, the rest of it, you're maybe maybe not taught enough about being a counsellor or being the compassionate and understanding human side and ways to cope with that. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot to squeeze into a degree. Um, there's, you know, students are uh, already doing eight, nine, ten-hour days of lectures and practicals. Uh, they're learning all the anatomy, physiology, surgery, anesthesia, everything else that, that goes along with being a vet, it's hard to find time to learn another thing on top of that. Um, but those those coping mechanisms are, are so important. Uh, and it's a, it's a thing where we're seeing quite a bit of growth, which is really, really good um, as far as training uh, for vet students in terms of uh, how to how to cope in the vet profession, how to how to seek help, how to support your colleagues. Um, it's something that I'd like to see a bit more more growth in. Um, I think sometimes it's really hard for them to find room in the degree to actually fit that sort of stuff in. Uh, but there's definite potential there, um, and a lot of resources out there for um, for learning that stuff too. Even even with organisations like Are You OK and Beyond Blue, um, I know it's something that we've spoken about, Jez, and, and between the, the rest of us that are close with, with getting Flynn's Walk moving in the right direction, but is looking at ways that we can get these amazing organisations that already exist and bring some of their people in and mash this stuff together because they're talking about everyday coping mechanisms and ways of dealing with people and emotions and asking Are You OK?, this, it feels like eventually, hopefully, we'd love to be able to get to a spot where we can start to mould some of that together. And that's it. There are, I mean, as much as you can go down vet-specific pathways and looking at the specific uh, issues and struggles that, that vets may encounter through throughout their education, throughout their career, throughout their lives, um, there is a lot of stuff out there that is general general advice and stuff that applies to everyone, no matter no matter who you are, what profession you do. and and the things that we're trying to in the in the short term, things that we're trying to push out, that we're trying to champion, so that people know that they're not alone, that what they're going through isn't necessarily something that a thousand other people aren't going through the exact same time, and that there's help out there that that you can get. Yeah, mate, exactly. Well said. Um, and there is that help. And and one of the organisations we've already mentioned a couple of times is Are You Okay? And the work that they're doing um, with a very very small team. Um, so I commend them for the work that they do and, and the industry-specific campaigns that they've been able to create because 
they do a lot with not a lot of people, but they have got a lot of champions around Australia who are their ambassadors out in the community who are having those conversations and sharing their stories. A lot of people dealing with their own mental health journey through life and others who have lost someone just like we have who just wanted to help champion that message and and help others everywhere they can. And um, to just give a a little bit of a plug, we've got uh, the CEO of IOOK, Catherine Newton, coming up um, in the next story in a couple of episodes time. And and we're going to be tapping into some of the IOOK ambassador stories too that are around. And a special shout out to Kathy, who's uh, um, actually became an IOOK ambassador after after getting involved in Flynn's Walk. She knew Flynn as well. So even just those little igniters are like, it's really exciting to think we can get get some stuff going and 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 make some change. And also a big shout out to James Malakai, who was our our Are You Okay ambassador at the first and then at the second walk. And hopefully, hopefully when we eventually walk for a third time, he'll be there again with us. And he's really been a great support and he's sort of championed that Are You Okay message on the day, which has been really great. Nice segue too to, I suppose, come back to the fact that um, we aren't holding the walks at the moment, but we're due to hold the third walk in uh, in Melbourne. So we had 2018, 2019, and we we're looking to have it on May the 3rd, but we've postponed. And um, what's been really awesome in such a short space of time and and with a lot of help from, from pushing our message out there, including our little feature on Channel 10 last year, um, was the igniters, Jez, of getting walks going over in Perth. Um, and a shout out to Kathy over there if you're having a listen. Kathy's um, actually a hairdresser and just, you know, local community uh, got a walk going and we ended up going over there and walking and talking with, with a gang over there. And um, there's Stacey in Adelaide down at Semaphore Vet Surgery who got a walk going there and they walked in, uh, it was raining cats and dogs, um, pun intended, but they got the job done, which was awesome. And they're keen to go again. Um, we got up to Toowoomba in October at the end of last year and uh, Tiff and the crew up there uh, at Dave's Clinic, which is the Toowoomba, Toowoomba Family Vet, and um, Red Vet as well, the emergency centre is opened up, and Hobart, um, which we're keen to get Hobart up and going again, and um, Dr Jennifer down there at North Hobart Vet Hospital got that going. But I think that it's just really exciting that um, others around Australia have picked up on it and been like, oh, walk and talk, that's easy to do. It's it's really been quite incredible and and quite touching as well. The fact that we didn't go out looking for this. We we started our little Melbourne walk thinking that it would be a few of us, and then it ended up being a couple of hundred of us. But the fact that people contacted us out of nowhere with having no no connection to us, no connection to Flynn, to say we think this message is amazing. We think what you're doing is incredible, and we would love to be able to do something like that in our own community and spread the message in our own community and that they were willing and and uh, and wanted to take the time out of their own lives to to do that, which, which has really been quite incredible. Well, I think the great uniter is loss. Uh, and, and unfortunately, like uh, not just Flynn, but two other people I knew in my circle of life, as I say, um, I, I knew that died by suicide all in the space of 12 months. And for me, I was like, this is crazy. Three people, a couple of them are growing families, working in different sectors. So I couldn't, I couldn't pinpoint one common thing for why why we'd lost. They're all they're all men. That was that was the only thing. All men and under forty. That that was as close as I could get. And we know that um, it's the suicides a leading cause of death for Aussies between fifteen and forty four. So that's about the only thing you can cling on to. But 
meeting people and having walked with people in other parts of Australia now is there are there aren't many people cam who don't know someone who took their own life yeah that's the that's the really tough thing sometimes in uh, in the vet profession too once you know once people are alerted to it I think it's it's hard for perhaps a vet student to come to grips with it because they're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, really enthusiastic about becoming a vet. And it's kind of hard to see what these, you know, hidden, essentially hidden dangers are going into the profession. But one of the biggest things that I think I've personally struggled with um, is the feeling that it's not, with figures like that, it's not a matter of if it's when um, and that's that's what really breaks my heart is that it feels inevitable um, so it's it can be really tricky in in that regard but just these little steps of of walking and talking is is an amazing start and and just little things to to make the world a better place is one of the great things that Flynn always did. He did, you know, little bits of charity work all over the place and just brightened the world in his own way through doing that. Um, and it's a great testament to to both of your work in starting this up and just creating that spark and encouraging it in other people. And it's grown into something really amazing. Yeah, thanks, mate. Um, and yeah, you're right because um, it, it wasn't the reason why we decided to get a charitable event going, but it seems very fitting that we did um, knowing that Flynn used to jump in there and help out with the soup kitchens and his car was referred to as the hobo taxi, <laughs> um, quote unquote, for lack of a better. But yeah, I mean, he used to go out and help um, people who don't have a home move their stuff yep. to somewhere else yeah. where they didn't have a home. Like yeah. that's that's the caliber of person we're talking about. And, and for us to do this, um, it just feels right. Yeah, absolutely. So to kind of give people a sense of where this is all going, um, it's been really nice, I guess, guys, just to chat and um, share a few memories and stuff as well, which has been, which has been cool. But uh, from here, uh, Melbourne Walk will, will definitely be back. It's on hold. It's not cancelled. Um, We've been having some really positive conversations with um, the Green Cross Vet Network um, just around ways that we can help spread the message uh, through their clinic network. So we're looking at setting up some walks in other parts of Australia. Um, Emily up in Sydney's uh, championing it up there for, for at her Green Cross Clinic and uh, we've had a couple of shout outs from Brisbane. But I guess the main thing is if, if you feel like this is something you'd like help um, to help us get going, um, Get in touch. Facebook page is probably the best spot um, and you can send us a message and introduce yourself because uh, it's taken those local legends that we mentioned earlier to get it going in the other the other cities. Um, Jez, on the fundraising side, we had a, a, we've done our own uh, fundraising obviously and, and raised some money for Are You Okay as well as Love Your Pet, Love Your Vet um, with doggy bandanas and t-shirts and stuff. But um, there was a pretty special event back in February. Yeah, uh, that was the uh, that was the mental health ball that was run by uh, Sinead. Um, and that was again, that was quite an incredible event. That I think this on the same token of us who didn't realise how big our first event would be. I don't think I don't think anyone really knew what a what a sort of incredible night that that was going to turn out to be. And I believe there were about 300, 400 people there. 
um, who all got together, who all got together to it was packed, wasn't it? Yeah, it, at the San Remo Ballroom in Carlton, and it was completely packed full of people, all there, all there for the same reason, all there because they're either a veterinary professional or they know someone who is, um, and all there trying to trying to wait, raise some awareness. Uh, for for mental health, yeah, the vet mob love a ball. That's for sure. <laughs> the vet mob love a drink. That's true. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> excuse to dress up. Exactly. I think there were one or two um, moments through the night where the champagne ran out and then the red ran out and then it was like yep. alarm bells. But um, the serious side of it was actually that we raised a heap of awareness and Sinead managed to raise over thirty grand, about thirty five thousand exactly. dollars. Um, with auctions and raffles and obviously the ticket prices as well. And, uh, Jez, we were really lucky that Sinead chose to support us um, through some of that fundraising, which was uh, came about somewhat a bit of a sad kind of way, well, very sad way with um, Peter Hatch uh, from VetLife passing away. And then Sinead said, well, these guys are championing the message and um, sent, sent some of that funds our way, which is going to help us do what, we're keen to do yeah it's something that will allow us to to continue spreading that message i mean it's not we're not here to make money we're not here to be the next biggest charity but it certainly helps us do things like this do things like starting the podcast helps us run the walks it helps us get to interstate walks and help set them up and it's and it's really it's been quite uh amazing to to get that recognition from Sinead um to say that I believe what I believe in what you're doing, and and I want to see it going further. Yeah, and it was another another key point where I'm going to remember that that was another flag in the ground, I suppose, where um, Sinead's helped us build our name up and get it out there a little bit more to another audience of people, just like um, Are You Okay have helped us with, and um, yeah, the project and 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 some shout outs in local paper, and I've done a couple of chats on some radio stations, and you just kind of. Any, everything that comes at us at the moment, we're just so thrilled to to have people interested in it and wanting to help spread the message because like we've talked about, there's hard. it's bloody hard to find someone who hasn't lost someone to suicide or knows someone in their family or a friend that's had a, a mental health battle. Um, and so that that's touching, touching um, people and wanting people to get involved. So, um, yeah, the ball was fantastic. I had an absolute blast. Um, after I did my Q and A before that, I was a bit, a bit rattled, but um, uh, we got there. You sounded great. Yeah, well, we got it. We got it done. We got it done. Um, we've also got some stuff, Cam, um, that you can buy to help uh, with our fundraising. Yeah, absolutely. So, got uh, t-shirts, wristbands, pins, all sorts of stuff. It's really awesome stuff, and yeah been um, really loving seeing the the t-shirts at the walks and all over the place it's been fantastic to see it is I mean it is such a it's such a lovely sort of homage to to Flynn that t-shirt it I'm, I mean I smile every time I see it Jack's Jack's wearing his at the moment and oh, nice. you've really you've done a great job with that <laughs> and I'm glad that it's take, taken off as as well as it has oh it was not something I expected it was just sort of a bit of a a bit of a silly thing that I just thought, eh, I was just, you know, an idle Sunday afternoon, chucked something together and, um, yeah, no, it's been great. And the fact that we've had um, we've had quite a few vet clinics that have put their hands up and said uh, we would like to 
have a little have a little donation stall on our front counter and we'll send we'll send some packs of pins and stickers and all the things you've mentioned um to to quite a few how many do you know how many we're up to now jack oh i think uh we is it is it a dozen oh yeah we probably yeah easy maybe even 15 um we've kind of left left things behind for the places we've been and also i've i've been sending um little donation boxes and and the and a pack with the wristbands and stuff for people to sell and i think uh there's a clinic down in Terrelgan and another one in Horsham which i sent up an initial run um, I sent them a box of stuff and I think everyone in the clinic bought it. So there was none left for the clients. So they asked for more straight away, which was awesome. Yeah. And now like yeah. it's a bit hard with people not going into receptions and stuff, but um, they're ticking along. So if you do have a clinic that um, you'd love to show our brochures and it, it just tells our story um, in branded form with, our, with our, our yellow and black colors as well to, to fly the flag for the tigers, And, um, you know, it, it really helps us just get eyeballs on, on what we're doing. Um, and of course, uh, encourage people in your own network to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We keep it um, pretty frequently updated, and I, I try to. Um, I, I do pretty much all of the posting on there, and I try to make sure there's not pretty much all of the posting. Well, that's it. Um, and I, and I, my promise to myself and others is that there'll always be photos of dogs and cats. So um, I like to vary it up, as well as helpful stuff to do with uh, mental health support and whatnot. And, and just generally what we're up to. So um, hopefully you enjoy uh, the stuff we put on there. Jez, we've touched on the fact that there are so many support services out there, but it's important to give people that information and the details of where they can find that. Exactly right. We have talked a lot about suicide. We've talked a lot about different mental health issues uh, during the podcast, and that can that can bring up a lot of feelings and a lot of issues within people. So it's important to know that there are there are different support services out there and there are people that are willing to talk to you and listen to you. So if you feel like you need some help, if you feel like you need someone to talk to, um, there's always Beyond Blue out there. There's Kids Helpline, there's Heads- Headspace, there's Are You OK? Um, if you feel you're in a crisis or if you do need urgent help, call Lifeline on 131-114. You can call the Suicide Callback Service on 1300 659 467 or if it is an emergency, please call triple zero. Jez, we've got a few episodes coming up with some with some amazing guests. We do. You've you've mentioned you've mentioned a little while ago about the episode coming up with Catherine Newton, who's the CEO of Are You Okay, and also Sandy Ray, who's a practicing psychologist. Uh, that should be the next episode that you hear coming out. We also have Dr. Lewis and Dr. Robbie of the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast fame. They were they were quite a uh, raucous raucous couple of guys to have a chat with, which was which was a lot of fun. And we're also chatting to Megan Barrow, who's an Are You OK ambassador, who we're talking about uh, living and dealing with anxiety and and all the things that go along with that, and and how how her message can help others out there who are going through the same situation. Yeah, nice, mate. Um, well, gents, it's been awesome to chat. It has. Jez, you and I have been chatting a lot. And it's, and Cam, thanks for, for coming into the fold and um, bringing your perspective, mate. My absolute pleasure. Any time at all. Well, hopefully we'll we'll have you back on soon for a for another chat, Cam. It's It's really been great. Sounds good. I'll keep working on the beard. Awesome, guys. Uh, Thanks again, and thanks to those that have listened to Flynn's talk. Um, and we hope that uh, maybe you can find 
some time to listen to our podcasts while you go for a walk and, and maintain your own exercise routine um, because just getting out and getting some air and, and a little bit of sun if it's available is, is good for the heart. So um, thanks for the support and thanks, gents. And uh, a big thanks to Jack and Pete as well who have got behind us being able to do all of this uh, and it wouldn't be without their blessing um, to do this. So uh, thanks to them. Yeah, exactly right. They've been they've been quite incredible throughout this whole thing, and really given us the support and the backing to to continue doing what we're doing and to continue sort of using Flynn's memory and using Flynn's uh, story to to champion to champion the things that we do and and to help us to help us move along, which which has been quite incredible of them, and 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 again that they've been so supportive of us. 